You're listening to KBOO Portland. The time is 7 p.m. Stay tuned. KBOO Community Radio and the Jazz Society of Oregon are proud to present the 39th annual Cathedral Park Jazz Festival, July 19, 20, and 21 at Cathedral Park in North Portland. KBOO will begin the live broadcast Friday at 5 p.m., and Saturday's live feed will get underway at 2 p.m. That's the 39th annual Cathedral Park Jazz Festival, broadcasting Friday and Saturday, July 19th and 20th, here on your community radio station, KBOO Portland. KBOO Community Radio is a proud sponsor of PDX Pop Now on Saturday and Sunday, July 20th and 21st from noon to 11 p.m. at Audio Cinema in Portland. PDX Pop Now is an all-ages two-day music festival with Portland bands and beer garden and local food carts. Performers this year include Brown Calculus, Plastic Cactus, Danny Sky, Static, and many more. Again, that's PDX Pop Now on Saturday, July 20th from noon to 11 p.m. at Audio Cinema, 226 Southeast Madison Street in Portland. More information can be found at kboo.fm on the right side of the homepage under Community Events. Thank you. It's 7 o'clock. You're listening to KBOO Portland. Ready for this? Ladies and gentlemen. Never been done before. Never been done in this country. In this What's up, fam? You're tuned to Hard Knock here on the Pacifica Network. Up next, we'll speak with lawyer and reporter Emily Baker-White about the recent study she published on police using social media and joining racist Facebook groups. All this more ahead, so keep it locked. What's really going on? This is Boost from the Coup with Hard Night Radio. You gotta be there. What up, y'all? It's Aya Sage, a.k.a. Rocky Rivera, and you're listening to Hard Knock Radio. News, views, hip-hop. DVD Hard Knock Radio hanging out with you this afternoon. In recent days, we've heard about a scathing report that came out um, from the Plainview Project, um, which I guess is based in Philadelphia. Um, it's a project that looked at the uh, Facebook posts and comments made by current and former police officers. And this caught our attention because 
Oftentimes, we have heard here in San Francisco, for example, and also in Oakland, about police uh, um, posting up on social media, uh, saying some very unsavory things. And it led people to the conclusion that the police who we pay with our tax dollars, who are here to protect and serve, are showing uh, an extreme form of bias that may impact the way that they do their jobs. We wanted to find out about this database, the work that the Plainview Project is doing, and some of the potential short and long-term implications around it. Joining us on the phone is Emily Baker-White. Emily, how are you? And tell us about the Plainview Project. I'm good, and thank you so much for having me. So the Plainview Project is a database of troubling statements, like you said, made by current and former police officers on social media. Those statements are all public Facebook posts, and uh, we collected just over 5,000 of them, which together show a real subculture of bias and violence within American policing. What were some of the findings that you came across? You know, was there a pattern? Were Was it kind of all over the place? Did they zero in on particular segments of the population? Sure. So when we were trying to decide whether to include a post, we asked one question of all posts, and that's whether that post might undermine public trust in policing, whether it might suggest something about how an officer does his or her job. And a lot of things could suggest Uh, a public trust problem, but there were definitely trends. So many of these posts were violent. We found officers encouraging and cheering brutality against people of color, against protesters or other groups. Um, We found a lot of officers posting horrible Islamophobic content, calling uh, people of minority faiths savages, subhumans, etc. That type of language was also levied both against protesters and people of color. A lot of them spoke specifically about Black Lives Matter activists as well. Some people would argue, and I've heard this from police officers themselves, quote, it's a rough job. It's very stressful. You know, you have to look at it from the context of just people letting off steam Um, This is, you know, uh, gallows humor, if I can use that phrase. Um, How do we, is is there any merit to that, that, hey, they're just letting off steam, this is not how they really feel? Uh, I hope it's not how they really feel. I hope that's true, and absolutely police officers have a very hard job. There's an incredible amount of stress. They don't have nearly enough services, nearly enough support from within departments for when they do go through stressful situations. However, that doesn't mean it's okay to call people of color savages. And so I think, uh, I, I hope that this is more talking the talk than walking the walk. Now, I didn't conduct this research, but the reporters who broke the story, uh, Emily Horner and Rick Tolsky at Injustice Watch, did go through a lot of the officers from Philadelphia in the Plainview Project database and found that very many of them had, I think about a third of them had uh, lawsuits that were settled by the city uh, on their behalf for misconduct of some kind, often excessive force or other violations on the job. So unfortunately, I don't think that this is just talking the talk. Obviously, some of these guys are are also acting on these impulses or these opinions, and I think that's a big problem. But certainly we don't know uh, for any individual officer whether that person was just blowing off steam or not. But the one other thing I'll say about that is that even if they are blowing off steam, even if these are dumb comments that folks end up regretting down the line and that they didn't really mean, there are people out on the street who might not want to pick up the phone and call 911 because they worry that the person responding to their emergency will not have their back because of how they look or where they come from or how they pray. And that's the tragedy here. Everybody needs to be able to know that they can call 911 and have somebody respond as fast as possible who is there to protect them no matter who they are. 
That is the voice of um, Emily Baker White. She's with the Plainview Project, and we're talking about the database and the subsequent um, stories that have come out about police and what they're posting up on social media. You know, I gave a perspective that you may hear from police, but the other side of this is as follows. First of all, uh, we know that in various police departments around the country, they check your social media, and there have been people who have been eliminated um, from the opportunity to uh, secure a job in the police if they have um, troubling, quotations around the word troubling, uh, images or statements online. Um, so people have been asked to scrub them. Um, they've been asked to uh, remove them. And it's been a disqualifying thing. So if I uh, say something about the police, and I, and I know this for fact, just having, you know, been in court where I've had to testify and, you know, the prosecutor pulled up something from a Facebook post or in my case, a MySpace post from like 15 years ago. And they said, hey, you said this about police, so therefore your testimony <laughs> indicates a bias. We should, you know, uh, uh, discredit you based upon a post that you had to say. And so I bring this up to say that all of us, many of us work in fields where we're subject to what we post online. If I'm a teacher or an educator and I post things online, that could be grounds for, you know, uh, removal out of the classroom, all these different types of things. If I work in the financial industry and I seem to be giving advice or anything like that on social media, um, again, there can be some penalties. So the question that I'm raising by giving these examples is, why do the police get a pass? Why are they allowed to post up on social media, even if it is a stressful job, and say the horrific things that they're saying without penalty? I couldn't agree more. And, and I do want to point out in the Plainview Project, we looked only at information that was posted publicly, meaning that anyone could view it. That's often not true for Facebook posts by civilians that police officers use in court. They will get a warrant, go in and get your private Facebook posts and hold those against you. We don't know what these guys are saying behind their privacy settings. We only looked at posts that they had published to the whole world. And those posts are very disturbing. I mean, for people who want to take a look, you should go to uh, the, the uh, plainviewproject.org. Again, plainviewproject.org, and you can see for yourself um, the disparaging remarks towards women, the uh, Islamic phobic remarks uh, directed at Muslims, um, you know, the racial uh, tone, the racial tinge remarks towards Black Lives Matters and others are, are pretty scathing considering that these are public posts. Um, the other thing to this is that we've known over the years that the police have not only used Facebook or, or social media posts against people in court, they have also attempted to try and put chilling language into law in various states, New York being one of them, uh, Pennsylvania, I believe, was one, definitely in California, where if you talk about the police, that they can somehow uh, um, uh, infer that as a, as a threat. So we've had that sort of thing, and I think I'm just looking in, in, in Pennsylvania itself, you had the case of Jamal Knox, who's a local rapper out of Pittsburgh. His case went to the Supreme Court, and he's doing jail time because he did a song talking about the police, and they found that to be very threatening. So what is this with the double standard, or should we just you know, eliminate any sort of conversation about the police because they are doing such a hard job? Well, I don't think, I don't think someone doing a hard job should get a pass from criticism on how that job is done. And I, I think what you're saying about, about perceived threat and perceived fear is a really important point because there aren't a lot of other places in the world where you're not allowed to criticize the job someone is doing, not allowed to try to make the job someone is doing better or else you're an enemy of that group or that person. We all could use some constructive criticism in lots of different places in our lives. But I think there, there are posts in the Plainview Project database where officers say, oh, 
I think I'm going to decide my life is at risk so that I can use violence against this person. Or I hope someone decides their life is at risk and, you know, runs over these protesters. And it seems that not all police officers, probably not most police officers, but some officers seem to take this deciding when their life is in danger a bit too cavalierly because it seems like some of them may be using it as as a justification to use violence against groups of people that they might uh, dislike. That was probably the most disturbing thing in some of the posts that I saw was, you know, the blueprint, if I could use that word, for how to get away with some sort of egregious act. You know, I feel threatened. Um, you know, they were in the way and, you know, maybe talking about some sort of violation of a code. Hey, you're standing in the traffic. I have a right to go over you, et cetera, et cetera. Those things are very disturbing. With all that being said, uh, Emily Baker White, who is our guest, what has been the response? Um, you, I know you focused on Philadelphia. What's been the response from that police department? Have you heard from other police officers and, you know, and do you see some sort of change or, you know, are they going to dig in their heels? So from everything that I can tell right now, departments are taking these posts seriously and they're trying to do the right thing. I know that some officers have been placed on death duty in Philadelphia, in Phoenix, um, in St. Louis uh, because of their Facebook posts. Now, of course, we'll want folks to follow up in three weeks and three months and three years to see what's changed at those departments. For the most part, the departments have all said, oh God, we got to take a look at this. And they're taking a look at this as they should. But the statements from leadership and conversations I've had with folks in internal affairs departments suggest that, suggest that departments are really trying to get this right. So I've been really encouraged by the response so far, but we're going to have to keep vigilant in seeing what the longer term responses will be. You said that you all looked at over 5,000 posts and, you know, and these are public posts, and I'm, and I'm sure, you know, well, first of all, was it just across the board or was it Facebook? Or, I mean, because officers probably use a lot of other um, social media platforms, and they also have private groups that we may, you know, that the public may not be privy to. And I ask all this to wonder, one, um, does what is being posted impact or have the potential to impact cases that they've, you know, been a part of? If I'm looking at an officer here who is saying some horrific things about Muslims or saying some horrific things about protesters, um, if they're involved in any sort of case um, where protesters are arrested or, you know, or, or somebody who's Muslim has a bad experience with an officer, how does that play out in terms of us looking at their past uh, um, uh, social media posts? I think it's absolutely relevant and it's very important. So the reason I did this project, before I did this project, I worked as a death penalty defense attorney in Philadelphia. I was defending guys on death row and, and challenging the validity of their convictions. And I was researching a police brutality claim. And in doing that research, I came across several public Facebook accounts maintained by officers uh, who had had a role in the case, who were posting stuff like this. And the reason that I was doing that research is I wanted to find anything that could be relevant to my specific client's case. And in fact, I found some stuff. And, and so I think absolutely, if I am a person of a minority faith, if I am a protester and I have been arrested, uh, harassed, abused in any way by an officer, I want my attorney to cross-examine that officer with the statements that he has made about protesters or people of minority faiths or whatever the circumstances. And I know that uh, prosecutors in several jurisdictions that we looked at have already said they're considering not taking cases not taking testimony by some of these officers whose Facebook posts suggest that they have a bias against certain groups of people. And so I think it's important for prosecutors to look at who they're calling as witnesses and make sure that anyone they're putting up is a person whose testimony can be trusted no matter what the circumstance. I also think it's important for public defenders, for civil rights attorneys, for constitutional tort attorneys to take a look 
at any of these officers who might be involved in any of their cases and say, does this post, do these posts show a bias or a lack of credibility that could be useful in court? And the thing that we should keep in mind, as I had mentioned earlier, um, there was an attempt to dismiss any of my testimony, you know, in a in a case based upon a Facebook post. So if that can happen, you know, to me as a citizen, why wouldn't that happen? Why shouldn't that be applied to the police? You being in Philly. Do I have you, to correct you. I moved to the Bay Area about a month ago. Oh, okay. But you were in Philly for a long time. I was in Philly. I yes. was in Philly through you, the duration of the project. Yes. Um. What has that police department been like? I mean, obviously, we've covered a lot of stories out of Philadelphia because of Momia and the Move folks. And, you know, there's been a lot of headline making things that have come out of Philadelphia. But it has a storied history of biased police officers. And um, since you've done that project, and I know you said that you think that, you know, folks will try to do right by that. Were you able to observe an overriding culture um, that is, is it something that can really be changed or is, is, it, is, is it a situation where you just really have to start from scratch? You know, I don't think I'm the right person to answer that question. Um, I, I'm, I'm a young white woman. I haven't had a lot of experiences with the police in Philadelphia and I feel fortunate to not have had those experiences, but I would want to hear from folks in the community who have been organizing around this, who have had much longer standing and much more interactions with the Philadelphia police. And I would want to hear from them. Uh, I think there, there are folks within Philadelphia who've been working on this for a long time and their voices are the ones that we should hear right now. Was there uh, particular races of people that you were able to determine who were posting up? Or did you find that it was just police officers in general or was it, uh, you know, a proportionate number of white versus black and Latino officers that were posting we up these. We did dis- not track race and we did not have information on the race of the officer. And I certainly wouldn't assume the race of an officer. However, anecdotally, I will say there were more white people and more men than non-white people and women. And then lastly, you know, we've been talking about the homophobic remarks, um, the racial mar- remarks. One of the things that stood out from a number of the posts that I saw was the political ideology. And is that something that we should be concerned about? And I and I frame the question this way. Oftentimes in our cities, you know, Philadelphia, you know, Oakland, where I'm at, or New York City, you, you have people who are overwhelmingly... Um, you know, for lack of a better d- description, to the left. You know, they're Democrats. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how they roll. Yet I see post after post that talks about um, in disparaging remarks, people who hold a Democratic or left-leaning ideology. That seems to put the police, at least these folks who are posting, at odds with the community that they're supposed to be patrolling if they see folks who hold a, pol- a, a particular political bent as the enemy. Yeah, that is a good observation, a true observation. We saw a lot of content that, at the end of the day, didn't meet our criterion for inclusion in the database, which, again, is whether this post might illustrate or or say something about whether the public would trust the police department. And a lot of the content that didn't make it into the database, there is a lot more content that makes disparaging remarks about uh, people's political opinions or political persuasions. And some of that really hurt not to include, but I think it was right not to include. Obviously, everybody has a right to think whatever they want about about their politicians and, and about our political system. And I have strong opinions, but it doesn't you know, mean that my opinions are worth more or less than anyone else's. But I think what you say is absolutely right. And and in a number of circumstances in the database, we had officers saying that they wanted to do violence against people who were politically different from them. And while, of course, you have a right to think whatever you want about people across the aisle, you don't have the right to to advocate violence against them. And so I think, um, yeah, we saw a lot of content that was 
very, very angry and sometimes violent about uh, people whose politics differ from these officers and and many people in the communities that they serve hold different views than they do. Right. And, and I hope that people who are listening really take that to heart because, you know, the viewpoint that, you know, folks like myself and, and I think many people who live in my community, you know, who are African-American or, or Latino, um, there's always been this feeling that, you know, that, that police are an occupy, occupying army, so to speak, that there are folks that are here that don't want to be here. Um, there are folks that are coming into the community that, that they don't live in. They're seeing the people as less than or as, quote, unquote, other. And I think, you know, when those are brought up, you know, they're usually dismissed in public discourse as being exaggeration. The police have no bias. They're here to protect and serve, et cetera, et cetera. But when I'm looking at these posts and I'm seeing that, oh, these liberals and they, and they have this political bent, um, it makes me wonder how cooperative they will be with a Democratic mayor who may be, you know, in theory, their boss. How cooperative they're going to be with a city council. Um, do they undermine the movements and the suggestions and the policies that they want to put in place? Or are they above their, their political leanings and they just follow the law? That's something that I think... Um, we should all consider. I mean, you can comment on that if you want to. I know you had given some thoughts to that, but I also want to give you an opportunity to let everybody know um, how they can get, uh, how they can see this report and what are the next steps from the Plainview Project. I agree with the the last thing you just said, and, and we do have examples in the database of officers talking disparagingly about politicians that they work directly with and for. Uh, in, in one example, in, in Philadelphia, a number of officers made very disparaging comments about uh, the new progressive district attorney, Larry Krasner. Some even suggested that uh, they would not do their jobs as they had done them before in protest because uh, Krasner had been elected. So for folks who want to check out plainviewproject.org, uh, you can see the database yourself. Uh, learn more about us, about our methodology, about why we did what we did. And uh, I really hope you all check us out. Thank you so much. Emily Baker White, thank you so much um, for joining us this afternoon. Thank you for the project that you did. And I guess you said you moved to the Bay. So welcome here to the Bay from Philly. And uh, it's good to have you here. Maybe you can uh, expand that project and do it to some of the troubled police forces here. Um, And I say that not to be facetious, but, you know, San Francisco had its own um, police uh, controversy with folks that were texting you know, one another. And some of those cases, I believe, were compromised as a result. We had a situation in Oakland as well. And I think a a lot of folks who are doing in in Vallejo is definitely off the chain right now in terms of some of these biases that are showing up and impacting particular communities. So um, before these officers uh, completely remove themselves from social media, maybe the Plainview Project um, might dwell into those cities have have you had any plans to expand we don't have plans to expand at this point but i won't rule anything out there you have it we're going to take a break on hard knock radio we'll be right back Like we damned if we do 
if we don't And it's a very thin line Between respect and being broken Being one red button away from World War Three. Always called the minority And always, always pulled over Facing police brutality Why is every street a living hell? Probably cause they want us to fail, yeah Three strikes and surely pack the jail Like the slave ships when they sail Whoa, whoa Years and years of civil rights chasing to pass that bill But ask yourself, people, have we changed Or are we standing still? Down and out struggle In this concrete jungle One check away from starvation Poverty What they say being free Is about speaking your mind Prophesize too much And that's where they draw the line A line as thin as the line War and peace A line as thin as the line Between West and East one button away from World War Three, being called a minority, and being pulled, always being pulled over and subject to brutality. Why's every street like a living hell? Probably because they all just want us to fail. And three strikes of trolley pack the jail, like the slave ships when they sail, but they don't know. After it was confirmed that the water supply of Flint, Michigan was a danger to human health, charges have been at least temporarily dropped against eight former and present officials who had been facing up to 20 years in prison for a host of felonies. These included charges of voluntary manslaughter in the deaths of 12 people from a 2014 outbreak of Legionnaire's disease attributed to Flint water, which was tainted by pollutants from the Flint River and by lead water pipes. Michigan's Democratic Solicitor General promised to come back with an even stronger case than the one put together by a special prosecutor under a Republican administration. Essentially, the Democratic prosecutors decided that it would be best to scrap the case altogether and build a new one that includes recently discovered documents. Residents of Flint, a desperately poor and half-black city of 100,000, were not happy with the news. The only thing it tells me is our lives don't matter, said local water activist Melissa Mays. The congressman that represents Flint, Dan Kildee, predicted the water won't be safe until the city's lead pipes are entirely replaced by the end of July. More than $30 million has been spent on the Flint water contamination investigation, but so far, nobody's gone to jail. That's because this is a crime of both institutional racism and the normal workings of capitalism a system of organized greed in which the social costs of economic enterprise is borne by the people and the environment, while the profits go to the few. 
If business owners were compelled to foot the bill for the environmental and human damage caused by their enterprises, much of the capitalist economy would be operating in the red, bankrupt. Just as the early industrializing economies of the United States and Britain were built on the labor of enslaved cotton pickers in the black belt of the American South, much of today's American capitalist enterprise is only profitable because poisoning the air and water and soil is essentially free for the businessman. Black and poor people pay the biggest price. Two years ago, the Michigan Civil Rights Commission said the contamination of Flint's water was at least partly the result of deeply embedded institutional, systemic, and historic racism. At least 5,000 other water systems across the country are in violation of regulations on lead, which is harmful to children at any level of ingestion. The older cities, with large black populations, are at the top of the list. But de-racializing capitalism won't fix it. The infrastructure of the United States hasn't had a makeover since Franklin Roosevelt's New Deal 80-some years ago. Why? Because the corporate class doesn't think they can make sufficient profit rebuilding railroads, vital urban infrastructure, and affordable housing. These capitalists control both political parties and prevent the government from using tax money to build infrastructure and protect the environment or to make health care and housing a right. As long as they're in control, the rest of us are, like the people of Flint, dispensable. I'm Glenn Ford, Black Agenda Report. Try it with your friends. New world water makes the tide rise high. Come in land and make your house go by. Fools done upset the old man river. Made him carry slave ships and fed him dead. Now his belly full and he about to flood something. So I'm throwing rope that ain't tied to nothing. Tell your crew use the H2 and wise amounts. It's the new world water and every drop counts. You can laugh and take it as a joke if you wanna. But it don't rain a full week some summers. And it's about to get real wild in the half. You be buying every yard to take a f- bath. Heads is acting wild, sipping room, pumping dank. Competing with the next man for higher playing rank. So now I ain't got time trying to be Big Hank. A bank. I need a 20-year water tank Cause while these knuckleheads is out here sweating they good The sun is sitting in the treetops Burning the woods And as the flame from the blaze get higher around higher They say don't drink the water We need it for the fire New York is drinking it And all of California is drinking it Where you're both and down south is drinking it Used to have minerals and zinc in it Now they say it got lead and stinking it Fluorocarbons and monoxide Push the water table lopsided Used to be free Now of course you will feed Cause all tanks filling loaded they roll across the sea Man, you gotta cook with it, baby Clean with That's it right. When it's hot, summertime You fiend for that it enough. You gotta put it in the iron You steaming That's with That's right So they dress wounds And treat diseases Shout with it The rich and poor Black and white got need for That's that right. And everybody in the world Can agree with that Cause rich promotes Health and easiness That's Go right. too long without it On this earth and you leaving Shout it Shout it out Americans wasting it On some legal yeah, yeah, Another nation be desperately Seeking that Bacteria washing up On they beaches Say Don't drink the water So they can't wash their feet with that Young babies in perpetual needy dead. Epidemics hopping up up the petri dish. Control center shot to play all secret at. To avoid public panic and freaking. There are places where TB is common as TV. Cause foreign based companies go and get greedy. The type of cats who pollute the whole shoreline. Have a purified and selling for a dollar twenty-five. Now the world is drinking that. Your mom's wife and baby girl is drinking that. Up north and down south is drinking that. You just have to go to your sink for it. The cash register is going to chink for Got the fish looking cockeyed. Used to be free, now of course you a feed. Cause it's all about getting that cash. Money, said 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 it's all about getting your cash. Money, said it's all about getting that 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 cash. Johnny Cat, Johnny, Johnny Cat, Johnny, Johnny Cat, Johnny.
everything around me. Move. Toxic prisons. Several years ago, the Workers' World newspaper published an article of mine entitled Jailhouse Environmentalist. It told the tale of a prisoner named Bryant Arroyo, a man who responded to the planned placement of a massive gas liquefaction plant right outside the gates of the state prison in Mahanoy in northeast Pennsylvania with action. First, Arroyo did his research. He went to the library and read the environmental impact statement. What he learned of the particulates and chemicals to be released by the plant concerned him even more. He went around the prison and talked to everybody, including the guards, explaining that they too would be exposed to the particulates and if their families lived close enough, they also would be exposed. Arroyo began the organizing phase and before long, letters began trickling into the local governing council protesting the plant. The trickle became a flood, and eventually over 900 letters arrived there. The plant plan was canceled. Arroyo, a bilingual Puerto Rican, had won. When I met him, I told him he was the first jailhouse environmentalist I had ever met. Arroyo then enrolled in correspondence courses with a group known as Environmental Defense Fund to deepen his understanding of environmental law. For example, one thing Arroyo learned was that in Pennsylvania's Constitution, Article 1, Section 27, the following words are written. The people have a right to clean air. Several years ago, the Abolitionist Law Center of Pittsburgh issued a damning report on a Pennsylvania state prison situated right atop a toxic waste dump. The prison became a cancer hotspot, affecting prisoners and staff alike. It remains there today. And finally, what are prisons except sinks of negativity? What are they except places of mass pollution, of the spirit, the mind, the psyche? The environment of prisons is one of oppression. We cannot ignore this truth. How can any good come from it? Perhaps that's why such an institution is plagued by recidivism returnees to prison who cannot cope with home. Any other institution with such a record of malperformance would be shuttered because of such failure. Unfortunately, such is not the case with prison, which is still with us. Only a mass movement can transform this social reality. From imprisoned nations, this is Mumia Abu Jamal. These commentaries are recorded by Noel Hanrahan of Prison Radio. What's up? This is Kwapile, and you're listening to Hard Knock Radio News, Views, and Hip Hop. Take hold. I'm a brother from the West who was blessed with a soul. Let me take you by the place you probably don't know. Yeah. We still live in Cali, got a style cultural. We was known for the 60s, for Panthers and hippies. Now we known for murders, pimps, and 360s. Sideshows, high-speed chases, too. And the crack epidemic that'll turn you blue. And an AIDS epidemic that could end you, too. It's the yay, baby, 
your mother and I thought you knew. Yeah. Oakland to Vallejo, Vallejo to the Zay. The Zay to the Sco, AKA as the Bay. Unique, so to speak, in a whole lot of ways. We hardly get the love cause we close to LA. We got our own slang, but everybody took it. Now we going dumb down the Ave driving crooked. Always cold, so don't get the gang twisted. Thugs repossessed to the death, packing biscuits. Weed almost legal, the trees is terrific. We got cannabis clubs. Filipinos and blacks, Latinos from all over the map. Chinese and Vietnamese, so don't get jacked. Samoans, Indians, Tongans, Thais. It's the Bay, homie, and we multiplies. We never act shy when it's time to ride. And we claim Tupac as a source of pride. I said, we claim Tupac as a source of pride. Let it go, let me bless the flow, my people. Here we go, here we go. Here we, here we, here we go From the streets to the beach Flatlands to peaks To the freaks in the jeeps Driving by me, me. To the heat, need to see To the cops on the beat To the rich living sweet To the poor feeling weak To the youth in the beast HB, thirsty Telegraph to the Ave North To the deep east Telegraph to the Ave North To the deep east Telegraph to the Ave North To the deep east To the youth in the beast HB, thirsty Telegraph to the Ave North To the deep east Yeah, stand up I'm low in the cuts with my folks getting wetted. Crooked cops won't run it, but they way too dumb. Slump slow in the bucket, not off the drums. It's the Bay, baby boy, so the gang business. Hustling, stacking funds, feel my remix spits. From the O to the skulls, the way that we play. To the place where we grind all day in the Bay. Belay, hope to the Zay, the spot where you stay. To the place where we grind all day in the Bay. My name is Valerie Trout. I'm here with you. News, views, and hip hop. Hard Knock Radio. Descending from the tribes of Africa, inspired by the great black leaders. Vanguard. 
protected by the red, the black, and the green with a key. Dynamic, articulate, receptive, courageous, outspoken. One man is not a nation, brother builds a clan. Strength within the circle creates the better man. The colors, the brothers, the key, the motherland. This causes to assemble this black man. Red, black, and green are the colors of the flag on the rise. Cause the nation shouldn't guise. I'm ever flowing as a come to sons and daughters. Knowledge leads the way, so I flow like Nas Waters. African American, rebel of authority, majority. Why I'm so called minority. Sometimes they ask me, why are you the rebel? Is that the way you choose to tame the base and trouble? Yep. Brother, don't get deep, that's what they're telling me. Just like a sellout. While society gets stronger and stronger, my race is weaker and weaker. Maybe I can make a difference to a mic and a speaker. So my lyrics flow different than a hip hop bebop mic controller. Who turns out to be the pop? My wisdom God given, exercise quantum rhythm. Power positive and strictly Bible, that's how I'm living. Fortress we established, high so none attack it. Back to the ways of our mathematic blackness. They can't solve, it's something they can't catch. Took respect of our lives and I'm snatching it back. Power flows in the nation, there is life in the key. Let us all bind together in the red, the black, the green. So they can build the tribes After and beyond keep the colors alive A message through lyrics and beats composed Bring composure outstanding direct to those Who understand what was taken Xerox and strip naked Today's pig shall be tomorrow's bacon Education brings false words Why do they teach? Everything that I learned I had to self-reach What do you know of a race that's dying hourly? The smartest men on the world lay in the Bowery Or either trapped or brainwashed on the come up Kick to the butt, wake up Are you some kind of nut? Are you blind? Can't you see what's never seen? We need some unity within the colors of the... Garvey-like brotherhood flows with the vibe. And with the key, the flag is kept alive. The sense of power, native to a different land. Originality, fact that I understand. A black fist, black power, and a black man. X-Clan, take a stand with the upper hand. Using this as a gimmick, yo man, I'll catch you, fetch you. Kick my foot and then direct you in the right path. Suck a tash, don't ask me about the aftermath. You do what, don't make me laugh, dummy. I am protected by forces beyond you. Think before you step before the rebels, silly mortal you. Wearing mother's tags and you don't know what they mean. All you are concerned with is greedy man's green. Sporting your medallions cause they match it with your outfit. Your posse's wearing it. Man, it's so illegit without definition. You represent the fraudulent. Blessed with blackness, but now you just dogging it. Truth for truth and a man for man. Ignorance, take a pause and we'll all understand. Independence is one thing when unity is stronger. Lower to realize oppression lasts longer. I'm just one man who fears for the worst. Cause if we don't take a stand, someone will step first and then... No justice, no peace. I'm Osiris, Osiris, Isis, Patrice Lumumba, Malcolm X, Marcus Garvey, Sonny Carson, the Black Watch, Sissy. Radio, East, West, North, South, Conectados, Every Set, Every Hood, Barrio de Barrio, Y'all Stand Up, Stay Righteous, Speaking to the Thugs, One Love, We Know Where Y'all At, Brown Buffalo, It's a Hard Knock Life, Gotta Pay Your Bills, They Want a Song About Bling, But It Ain't Real, Uh, We Speak to the Kids and the OGs, Organize, mobilize, be the change you wanna see. 415 bumping hard knock radio. Brown buffalo, rah, all up in your stereo. And to the youth, live life like it's golden. Go dumb, go hard, but don't forget where you're going. We from the hood, so it's all to the good. Let us know this what you're feeling is right. Let's get this understood. It's only one reason why we here today. We trying to make real music so the people can be made. Learning from the hard knocks, slipping in these hard knocks, listening to hard knocks, questioning the hard Learning through these hard knocks, living for this hip hop, listening to hard knocks, ripping to the hard side. Learning from the hard knocks, living in these hard knocks, listening to hard knocks, questioning the hard Learning through these hard knocks, living for this hip hop, listening to hard 
KBOO Community Radio and the Jazz Society of Oregon are proud to present the 39th annual Cathedral Park Jazz Festival, July 19, 20, and 21 at Cathedral Park in North Portland. KBOO will begin the live broadcast Friday at 5 p.m., and Saturday's live feed will get underway at 2 p.m. That's the 39th annual Cathedral Park Jazz Festival, broadcasting Friday and Saturday, July 19th and 20th, here on your community radio station, KBOO Portland. KBOO Community Radio is a proud sponsor of PDX Pop Now on Saturday and Sunday, July 20th and 21st from noon to 11 p.m. at Audio Cinema in Portland. PDX Pop Now is an all-ages two-day music festival with Portland bands and beer garden and local food carts. Performers this year include Brown Calculus, Plastic Cactus, Danny Sky, Static, and many more. Again, that's PDX Pop Now on Saturday, July 20th from noon to 11 p.m. at Audio Cinema, 226 Southeast Madison Street in Portland. More information can be found at kboo.fm on the right side of the homepage under Community Events. Thank you.
discoveries and places Innocence in your heart before prejudice could spark a cold flame in the dark How you pushed and kept pushing till you broke through when nobody was looking Not to get into nostalgia but some of those things have value Wind the clock back to simpler times Where you can talk and speak your mind Without assault or attack or combat All resources available in large quantities Before the deceit and greed Privatization of everything that society placed inside its spaces As a service for the patrons Now you pay for it And your credit better be good Or if there's an emergency Never see a foot extended in your direction To help forget it Shred any evidence of wrongdoing To make pledges among secret societies With freaky Fetishes lie about what's really inside. They never let us in.